Hello and welcome to page one, the Writers Podcast. I'm Marco. I'm Tarek. And wait, Tarek, who's this? Oh, it's Timmy. (laughs) (laughs) I've been released from the cupboard of dispatching page ones for a special appearance (laughs) on the page one podcast. (laughs) Tim, Tim is, you may have heard if you've listened to the podcast before, we have referred to the boss in quotes. And Tim is that man. Or legend. The myth. I don't think we've called you legend. Ah, The man, the legend. I obviously haven't listened to all of them yet. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, no, uh, Tarek, this is one of a special series of episodes we've recorded at the Fringe with comedians to find out about their writing process for their stand-up shows. Um, And we recorded these at a variety of venues across Edinburgh. So the sound quality does vary at times. We, We sometimes recorded them at the venues themselves. But um, Tarek wasn't able to make all of the interviews, so Tim kindly agreed to step in. Interviewer extraordinaire. Yes, and I think, Tarek, you're out of a job. (laughs) I've been waiting 112 episodes for this day. (laughs) I'm finally free. Well, you've not heard my ones yet, so we'll see see how that goes. We'll see how it goes with the listeners. But yeah, um, so uh, we will get uh, straight into these special episodes we're releasing uh, at least one a day this week. They're very short uh, episodes, but hopefully very interesting and funny, of course. And we'll play a quick advert for a writer's notebook and then we'll get straight into the interview. But for now, on with the podcast. See you later. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realised it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made Page One. Page One is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story, so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. (laughs) 
Hello and welcome to this very special episode of Page One, the Writer's Podcast at The Fringe. I'm Marco. I'm Tim. Uh, and today we're joined by Tom Lucy. Hello, thank, thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, so on our sort of regular episodes, I always start with the question, did you always want to be a writer? But did you always want to be a writer or a comedian? What was your... I think I always wanted to be a comedian, to be honest with you. Um, it was kind of all I—it's all I've ever really wanted to do. Really, um, I can't remember a time I didn't want to do it, which sounds kind of strange. Mm-hmm. But even at the age of like ten, eleven, I would watch a lot of stand-up, and my parents would put stand-up videos on to stop me, you know, complain. Like, I just was always really obsessed yeah. with it. So um, I would say comedian, and then the writing aspect—I've kind of started to enjoy a bit later on in my life, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but yeah, it was initially just about stand up and performing. I think, yeah. and, and you got you got into the stand up side of things very young, sixteen. Yeah, is that sixteen. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm twenty five now, twenty six, twenty six now. I've just turned twenty six. I've got to stop saying I'm twenty five. <laughs> I'm twenty six. Um, so yeah, I started when I was sixteen, which is really young, I think. But also, um, it's you're sort of at that age where you don't really. Uh, appreciate how scary things yeah. are you're a bit kind of reckless yeah. and a bit kind of naive about things so actually I think that helped starting at that age because it just meant I wasn't really nervous about it I just thought oh well I'll just try stand up do you think audiences gave you a little bit more leeway when yeah, you were that you think they're a bit yeah. kinder to you when yeah you're... yeah I think definitely I think if I was to go back and watch myself now I would think it wasn't very good but I can remember audiences being nice I think mainly because they were just like, it's just an, an, a lateral child on stage. <laughs> How harsh can you be and to no a child? Really, yeah, <laughs> you can't really heckle a child. <laughs> but it was also a thing where um, at that time I was doing a lot of gigs where the whole rest of the lineup would be like men in their 50s. Yeah. And then me being 17, 18, I would naturally stand out quite a lot just just purely because you're that, that yeah. age. Yeah. So I think I benefited a lot from that early on. Um just being kind of the young person which just make just makes you kind of instantly memorable. Yeah. Um, and and did 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 some of the more uh, experienced comedians sort of take you under their wing, give you some tips? And yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say mainly. I, I mean, it's a very competitive industry, yeah. isn't it? So not everyone is uh, quite as forthcoming with advice, <laughs> yeah. but certainly a few people were. And I've been very lucky that I've kind of worked with people who were much older than me and who I really looked up to when I was before I started. And they've all been very supportive. But um, the circuit itself is a, a kind of a strange environment. Um, most people are very friendly, but it is naturally quite competitive. Yeah. I was going to say that from the, I'd say from a kind of punter's point of view, it seems yeah. like it could be quite a brutal, harsh well, yeah, industry you, to be part if of. If you go to a comedy night where you're just seeing three comedians... There's an element of at the end of the night, the audience is going to go home and go, who was your favourite one? And you can't really get away from that, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there is that element of competition. And uh, and mainly people are nice and there's a sense of like camaraderie. And But, it, but you know, I think it's hard to get away from the fact that we are all like trying to be as funny as yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. And, and you, obviously... Started young, but you also had early success as well. Um, you you won, I think, best new comedian from the Sun in twenty seventeen. Uh, did, did these awards 
give you some sort of validation? Give, make, <laughs> not make, not, not really. really, no. No, not really. I mean, I, I don't know. The, the whole like awards thing in comedy is kind of a strange... Mm-hmm. I don't know if it really makes sense to give out awards in comedy because it's all so subjective, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, no, it didn't really... I suppose it may have made me feel slightly less of an imposter when it, when it first happened. Because mm-hmm. I, I still, even now, struggle quite a lot with feeling like... I think it's quite a common thing if you're a creative person, but you kind of feel like you're not as good as you should be. And at some point, someone's going to come up and say, um, you know, <laughs> actually, we've had a discussion and you're not actually that good at this. We, we we've think, all got together. We don't think thought we should about do it. this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty normal. And the people I know who don't have that are actually kind of psychopaths. Yeah, yeah so that's right. Yeah. I think that's normal. Um, so, I think yeah. it's a good way of keeping yourself in check as well, because you, yeah. I guess it means you're always trying. If you think you're not as good as you can be, well, yeah, and like also from a creative the, point all the comedians view. I know who are the most successful ones are kind of they're the ones who are most blighted with that. Oh, I'm not very good. This is not good enough. Yeah, that's what drives their stuff to yeah. be better than other mm-hmm. people's because they're constantly. They they always think it's what they're doing is rubbish. Yeah, I mean there is a there, there's a fine line between being like that and not being miserable the whole time. I mean there are people who are just miserable, so it's a it's a balance. I think you know you still want to enjoy it, um, but yes, I would say the awards didn't have a massive impact. No, and and did that you, you said earlier when you started you were you were almost so young that the naivety meant that you didn't have those nerves that other people might have had. I mean. I, have you had those nerves? You know, from this side of the table, the thought of getting up in front of people and trying to make them yeah. laugh is is a, something that would terrify me. But yeah, um, <laughs> do, do, is that something that you've never really experienced? No, I, I definitely have. And I, I was saying to someone yesterday, I almost before every show I ever do, I get this feel it this feeling right before I get announced, where I sort of go, why, why am I, why am I doing? I don't need to do this. You get this feeling yeah. right before you go on stage yeah. where you're like, this is really terrifying what you're, what you're about to do. But um, I guess it's just like anything. The more you do something, the more you get used to it. And and um, and I guess you must have to be very good at like swallowing that down because if you go out on a stage and look vulnerable, yeah, you you, you've, to you've got to kind, kind of, of... Even if you're feeling scared, you do have to learn how to not look scared. Yeah. Unless that's your thing, that you're, yeah. you're nervous, yeah. like yeah, Lee sure. Evans or something. But... Um, I yeah, it's weird. I've, I I can get very nervous before, but something happens when you go on stage where you just sort of you like become a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've I've never really experienced it on stage, but definitely before a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because some of the other comedians we've spoken with have been saying that there is this idea of the sort of persona that you have on mm. stage, even though unless you're playing a character, which some obviously do, but even though it's you, it's not, it's sort of a, it's it's not exactly you yeah. standing up in front of the audience. Yeah, it's like right. a heightened version yeah, of you, yeah. I mm-hmm. think. Uh, Frank Skinner wrote a book about stand-up, which is really good. He's just sort of very interesting about how to become a comedian. And he said it's like um, being on stage is like kind of having a, a meeting table of all the elements of your personality around the table. And when you're on stage, you're just, letting one of them speak yeah. and all the others are not <laughs> so it's just like heightening certain bits of you and making other bits quiet so that's really what it is it's just you but like an exaggerated version of you yeah. I think Yeah. and I think the, the more you do stand up what you 
I think what you're trying to achieve is to become more like you off stage, on stage. So you're trying to get like as close to yeah. your real self. Because I certainly felt when I started, I, I, I kind of did have like a bit of a persona, which wasn't really me. Mm. And as I've got older, I think it's become more and more like who I actually am. I think that's what you're trying to achieve. Um, it's just like being comfortable, being your, completely yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, that is that takes time, and it's easier said than done. <laughs> but I suppose as well, does does having that that persona or that heightened sense of self, it kind of allows you to see things, you know, that you might feel more uncomfortable seeing. Yeah, in front of people. Otherwise, yeah, it's a weird like thing where I, f- I feel like I, I've never really found saying anything on stage embarrassing, but. In a social situation, I would get embarrassed about things. Yeah. So I think a lot of my stuff is quite—it's—it's it's quite personal, and particularly in this show I'm doing now, there's there's stories in it that are quite embarrassing, and they're things that I was ne- I was nervous to talk about. Um, but for some reason, when I'm on stage, I, those, those nerves kind of go away, and I'm really happy to say anything about myself. It's but then I, I wouldn't feel that comfortable doing it if I was just like yeah. in a pub with with you know one other person yeah. yeah so there's something about the stage that just makes you feel quite safe and it's just like a kind of uh comfort blanket in a way so when you when you're kind of trying to formulate like you're saying kind of personal stories on stage what would you like what would you start with would you start with the punchline or would you would you start with a story and then try and work out where well, you're going to go well this show this year has been quite different to how i've done previous ones this is this is my third uh hour and uh I've been working with a director that I haven't done before. So this great guy called Steve Dunn, who works with loads of comedians. Um, I kind of got him involved about maybe about eight, nine months ago. And I've worked with him for the whole thing. And it's really changed how I think about writing, but working with him, because he's just made me kind of... uh, Well, we did this exercise right when we first started where he said... Um, every day I want you to text me three three things. So you, you, have, you, you have to text me um, uh, a, a story, a, just a straightforward like joke, like a one-liner joke, and a, and a feeling, I think was the third one. So every day for about two months I had to text Steve <laughs> with a joke, a story, and a feeling. And it, was, and it completely changed the way I generate material because, because you're having to do that every day. Yeah. By the end of the two months, we, we could sit down and we had like 60, you know, 90, even more than that, ideas that we can just go through yeah. and go, I think that could be something yeah. that might work. It's just, I think it, he just taught me that you really just need to like create a lot of stuff and then okay. sift through it yeah. and work out. I think in the past, I would have just written an hour and that would have been the hour. But with this one, I think I, I probably wrote like, three or four hours of stuff which then became one hour and hone it down to that yeah and yeah. I think that's what he's really taught me is the way to do it and and when you're doing a show that is an hour long are you are you trying to get a sort of structure for the whole show to yeah to yeah we, you try to and I've never been that good at that in the past the first two shows I did I think would I, all I really cared about was that they were funny from start yeah. to finish which is fine because that is kind of what an audience comes to. Get. That's what they want. Yeah. But I think certainly when you get older, you realise that they 
it, it's important that it's funny, obviously, but it is nice to watch a show where there's a bit of a kind of a narrative arc, and yeah. there's some, you're talking about something, and at the end of the show, people leave feeling satisfied. So that hopefully is come across in the show I'm doing now. But again, that's, Steve has been great for that because he is naturally very good at narrative and structure and theme and. Mm-hmm. You so, see that more and more with shows that they'll have a distinct yeah. theme that yeah. you can then base your material. But it's interesting to see, you know, kind of which bit comes first. But Steve was like, all I want you to do until at least like June, so August now is when the show had to be ready by. And he was like, until at least June, just write as much stuff as you can about anything. It doesn't You don't have to think about what you're writing about. And then in June, we can sit down together and go through it and I'll be able to pick out Oh, it feels like this is what you you're thinking about at the moment, or you're going through this, and then I can kind of turn it into some kind of narrative and yeah. theme, rather than like working to a theme from the beginning yeah. uh-huh. and being like, I want to write a show about, uh, yeah. I don't know, uh-huh. skiing or something. So it is quite a collaborative <laughs> yeah this pursuit then with this with show your has been very yeah. different in the sense that it has been really collaborative, yeah, and I've really enjoyed it, and I've realised that writing isn't something you have to do alone uh, in a room, which I've famously never been very good at just sitting down and writing on my own. Yeah. Because stand-up is also such a performative thing. Mm -hmm. You can say, oh, I'm going to spend the day writing stand-up, which is fine, but at the end of the day, until you've been on stage and done it, you've no idea whether that's any good or not. not, I guess if you're writing a book, there is an element of you need that discipline of sitting down and writing. But with stand-up, it's as much about doing the gigs as it is about the writing. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask that because as well as as well as well it being the words on the page, it's all about the delivery and the timing and things yeah. like that as well, which yeah. presumably you can only taste that out in front of an audience. Totally, yeah. And also I, I think you would... I'd be interested to hear what other comedians do, but certainly when I first started, I would type out my material as if mm. it was like a play. I would mm-hmm. type it out like word for word and learn it, and then just go on stage and recite it. And now, it's not like that at all. It's 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 kind of like bullet point. Yeah. You know, I'm, I want to talk about this, I want to talk about that. And I might write, you know, a couple of bits coming off it where I like, remember to do that bit and that bit. But I've, it's not written out and typed in full yeah. like it used to be. And does that give you more space for, like, improvising on stage then? Yeah. If it's less... Written yeah, out yeah. Is, is kind of it, it means a it means that you don't come across like you're you've just learned a play and you're yeah. reciting it. Yeah, I mean, it all depends what kind of style you want. But for me, I've always wanted to be quite a conversational, mm-hmm. relaxed, al- almost to the point where you, the audience it could it could be um, thought that you haven't prepared anything. You've just gone up and started talking. Yeah, that's kind of how I wanted it to come across. Obviously, you have prepared it, but. Not writing it out word for word helps with that. Yeah. Helps you not look like you've just learnt it. Um, well, you can always tell when someone gets up and, and gives a speech, like, a, like an amateur, like a wedding speech. You can tell yeah. someone's written it out, even if they've memorised it. Yeah, they'll end up locking tell, their yeah. eyes on it. Whereas if you've, yeah, if you've kind of surmised it in your head, you can, yeah. you can kind of deliver it. As and there's you, a couple of bits in the show where I I'll kind of talk to the audience, and there's a couple of points where I'll I'm talking about something, and I'll kind of speak to someone in the front row about their experience of it so I'm, I'm, you try and you try and keep it loose and not too structured but then having said that I, a couple of days ago I went to watch Stuart Lee 
who I think famously does write everything yeah. word for word, and he's obviously amazing. So like, you know, it's yeah. just what your style of performance. It's, it's your. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, people yeah. go to him because they want incredibly like crafted. Yeah. You know, Jerry Seinfeld as well. That there's no word that doesn't need to be there, mm-hmm. and that is also amazing to watch. So, you know, it's all. You know, yeah. There's definitely different techniques that work. I mean, we've talked around it a lot. Do you, do you want to tell us a bit about about your show and, and what it's about? Yeah, so it's called Melt, um, which is a title that doesn't it doesn't massively relate to the show. It was just kind of a funny word I thought would work. And you also have to name the show like a year in advance. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so the last time I was at the Fringe, I was 21. I did my first show when I was 20, my second when I was 21. So it's been four years since I've been here. So there's a couple of kind of big life events that happened to me in those four years, um, which is kind of what I based the show on. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of split into two halves where I talk about the two things. Um, And and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of just like the last four years of my life. What's happened since I was last here? and, I, and I, I'm trying to talk a bit about that kind of awkward stage of sort of not quite being uh, young anymore, but also not really being a proper adult. 25 is a weird yeah. age where, you, you know, no one really cares what you think about things. <laughs> but also you're not really young enough to like get away with stuff anymore. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. You're in that middle ground. So there's a lot of talk about that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's weird because I'm fully aware that people come to watch and they might be in their 40s. And I, I, I do appreciate it must be quite odd to watch a 25-year-old talk to them for an hour. And I'm always really conscious of the fact that they'll be thinking, you know, what, 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 could, what do you know at 25 that you can tell me at 45? I think they're I just sitting there wishing they were 25, exactly. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what they actually happens anyway. is that you stick, it, you stick it about that age in your head forever. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's what people have said to me, is that you never really feel older than yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to be any older. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, before we wrap up, I just want to ask, you've, you've appeared on TV and things as well. And Does preparation for that differ from preparing a show like this? Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it does. I, I, I think I, I would prepare quite a lot for a TV thing um, but that's mainly I think just because they're quite um, sort of pressurised environments and you don't really want to be in that environment not knowing what you're doing mm-hmm. so if you're doing like a panel show or something it's really beneficial to like properly prepare for it because yeah. otherwise you get there and everyone else has prepared all this stuff and you just sit there and I mean that's like everyone's worst nightmare having that happen so I would, I would, I would almost like overly prepare for a, anything that was being filmed. Are, are um, you in a panel show? Are you like how much are you being given in advance so that you can prepare sort of a thing? Quite a lot, to be yeah. honest. I don't want to ruin the magic. No, of uh, no, but I, this is what I thought. But yeah, yeah it's it is. You do get sent like a pack a few days before the right. recording, and it's like, here's what we're going to be talking about. So it may not be the exact questions, but yeah. it's like the areas. And you can then go away and think about those topics. And but then a lot of them overfilm, don't they? And then it's quite a brutal yeah. cut down well, from yeah, what like actually makes they're the They're normally the final like edit. three hour recordings yeah. and then they get cut to half an hour. So every, everyone's trying to kind of get into the edit, really. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would imagine, luckily it's never happened to me, but I, could, I would imagine you could under prepare for one of those and it, would, it could be really horrendous. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, that could be bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, where and when can people come and see your show? Uh, it's on at 9.45 in the Pleasance Courtyard uh, in Edinburgh, in the upstairs room, which is a nice, I think it holds like 100 people. Okay. It's a nice like fringe-sized venue. And yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. I, I really am. It's great. Excellent. Well, Excellent. Hopefully, people will come down and see it. Yeah. The very final thing we've been asking people is, what is the worst or the best heckle that you've had oh while on god. stage? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, I had one last night that really made me laugh actually, because it was a real kind of fringe. It was very middle class kind of arts festival <laughs> heckle. I think I was, I was, there's a bit in my show where I say uh, the word who. I'm telling a story and there's the word who in it. And this, um, this, this quite middle class woman shouted something out, which I couldn't really hear. And I got her to repeat it. And she said, it's, in that instance, it's whom, not who. She was sort of correcting the grammar a bit. She was like, she would carry on, but just so you know, it's, it's whom in that sit. And I was like, that's a very oh, thank you. But that is, that that is yeah, the grammar piece. The Edinburgh Festival. Yeah, yeah. Somebody picking you up on your grammar. Um, but it was very useful. And I have now started saying whom rather oh, well, than who. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the grammar piece are ever present. Thank you, <laughs> Well, uh, thanks very much. That, that was great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for coming down.